Welcome to the One More Rep Podcast, where we take you beyond the barbell. I'm your host, Modingo, and with me, with a nice uh, cold beverage, is Brody. What's up, bro? Hey. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've been thinking all day about that. <laughs> well, it was good. It was good. It was nice and clean. It was crisp, and it was very genuine. I, I'm sure our listeners felt that. I'm laughing as you're getting ready to say, you know, ask me what's up, and I'm, I'm like, what am I going to say? like... Like you've, I had, do, you've had like a week to think about it. I do well under pressure, but for some reason, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know. That's who I am. So first, uh, Brody and I would like to send a huge shout out and thank you to all of you listening and subscribing to help us get through that first uh, 10 days of of the show. Yeah. yeah uh, initially, our plan was to launch those five shows on the first day and then five shows uh, each consecutive workday just to try and help us on the algorithm with iTunes. And it looks like you guys are doing some magic. I think as of tonight, we're right around 800 downloads. Uh, just for, on one, just on Podbean. We yeah, don't just, know. Just on Podbean. Yeah, yeah, we don't understand the whole iTunes thing. So yeah. if you understand iTunes and ratings. Yeah, yeah please email us at can I get one more at gmail.com. Really? Because I don't, Mo doesn't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We, neither one of us. We just, can, we can talk. <laughs> it was pretty cool. This is the first time we've actually been together since we've launched. Yeah, so, yeah it is. Yeah. Except for Saturday, where at AKP, uh, the gym I attend over in Huber Heights in Ohio, we had Power Hour Ohio, which was hosted by Trinity Competitions, which is a company out of San Antonio, Texas, that I've been a part of ever since 2011. And we brought a competition up here. So Brody actually competed in it. Yep. And uh, I don't know, you want to tell him a little bit about it? Ah, it was fun. Um, I think it was 12 workouts. You had to fit within an hour time frame, running clock. So for me personally, when I love the strategy of competition. Mm-hmm. It's like my jam. Like I love strategy actually in anything. I mean, I love chess. I love trying to think way ahead and uh, how you had to break this down in that hour. I mean, it was a, the volume was high and certain people had to do certain things. So the, to place people yeah. in certain orders to four athletes, same gender. Yeah. Four athletes, same gender. You had to put them in well, or three, but um, <laughs> you had to put them in certain orders. Um, as it was given to do certain elements. And I loved, it took me, it took me a good hour probably to get our sequence in order mm-hmm. before we ran through the full competition uh, a week before. Um, so it's, it's really cool. I really like the, it, it's kind of like our format where it's straight through the cannonball, yeah. yeah, cannonball, but different at the same time. So I really enjoy it's one hour straight through. I mean, get done what you can get yeah. done. So. And the part that Brody's leaving out is you do have 12 workouts. Not all athletes compete in all the workouts. Right. But the kicker is or you have do. to decide what order you do the workouts in. Yeah. So there's uh, four strength, four for time, and four AMRAPs. And it was really easy for some, for me running the competition. I could tell who had actually practiced and had a strategy and who didn't. And uh, it was really cool to watch. So thanks to Trinity Competitions and Chris Galvan, the founder and owner, to allow me to bring that up here. And I had a great time and a uh, really huge shout out to Monica Christian who helped me run all that, all that madness and a million Carrie Penner for letting me use AKP to host that event. So thanks. Yeah. A lot. I hope it stays in the area cause it, it was really fun. I think it'll catch on, uh, up here in our, our area who loves to compete yeah. I and mean, shit. It's, 
there's the only other thing that like it is ours, right? Mm-hmm. So if we can have that and this, that's I love it. Well, you, and you'll actually get to compete for once, right? Because I know <laughs> I don't get. To, well, I mean, even though I don't get to compete in ours, I you know doing the workouts, I still get to suffer uh, as you wh- test them out. Yeah, and if you're not from if you're not familiar with the cannonball format that Brody's mentioning, is basically you work out for roughly. I think yours about an hour and 15 minutes or so, hour and 20 minutes. No, our, this one's hour and 51. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Well, basically, Brody has these elements lined up, and you have minimal rest, and you just compete one element after another. Maybe, I think the most is maybe a minute, two-minute uh, rest in between elements. Typically, in between each event, it's two minutes, mm-hmm. but there are certain aspects where there's only a 30-second to minute transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think total rest and or transitions, we don't call it rest, transitions in this was uh eight minutes out of the hour and 51 but again not all not all athletes compete in all um events so right. there is some built-in rest but it's still really interesting as i dj because i sure as hell ain't gonna work out in one of his comps <laughs> um but seeing how the madness uh plays out but it's really cool and actually he's got his fourth rendition of my bloody valentine coming up it'll be before we release this episode but yep. we'll talk about it later in a future episode about throwing competitions yeah, can't wait. <laughs> and also, uh, we're fortunate here in Ohio to have a couple of good Facebook groups here that give us a good shout out and vision forward about what competitions are going on in the area. And some of them even in Kentucky and in Indiana, I believe. And one of those being Ohio CrossFitters and the other being The Fit United, which is run by a good buddy of ours, Brandon. So shout out to Brandon for keeping that site under control, man. We really appreciate it. What's up, dude? All right. So now for today's topic talking about visualization so this is one of those things where we like to talk about the mental side or the emotional side or just all those things non relating to actually weight moving weight but those things periphery to that and this is one of those topics that brody just jumped out and said no i want to talk about this so yeah when we say visualization like what is it you mean there there's a lot that goes into everyday life you know hell we don't even have to talk about crossfit we could lump this into life but it could be a test that you're taking a job interview could be um big important mon- monumental things in your life uh that you can actually prepare for hundreds thousands of times before you even do the act right and um i happen to apply it i've applied it to life but i apply it more to sports and um coaching and uh things like that so in your previous sporting life you were an MMA fighter Mm-hmm. Well, I started out and I was in Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I only did the fighting. Um, but yeah, that was, that's where I got my foothold. So how did you utilize this visualization technique in, in that part of your life? Oh, dude, it was huge. Like, so in 1996, I was way old, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I got it. I fought in the world championship. So I had one state, won the national and then qualified for worlds. Um, I fought in two categories. One was black belt division. I was not a black belt. I never received my black belt as far as um, doing the katas and like mm-hmm. doing the actual system because mm-hmm. I, I didn't do that. I, all I did was fight Tuesday, Thursday, fight, train Monday, Wednesday, Friday, mm-hmm. leading up to that. So, um, so in two divisions, I fought. I finished second and fourth in the world um, in two divisions. And uh, I, f- I fought thousands of times in my head before I even stepped inside the ring. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't know who I was fighting. Okay. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, I didn't know what they were going to do per se, but I prepared for everything 
I did this every night before I went to sleep. Literally, I, I, right before I go to sleep, I would, I would fight in my head. Like, so when you say fight in your head, walk through that. Yeah, it literally would start with us battling into the, into the ring, mm-hmm. right? It, us lining up. Oh, so I'm walking out from the locker room. Right. All the yeah. way up. To, okay. Yeah, I mean, literally every step of the thing and every, every step of the process and every part of the fight, uh, they, you know, I would visualize them using, uh, throwing a technique and what I would counter with and mm-hmm. uh, what I would lead with and, and different styles and different how to switch it up and, you know, lead with this, uh, you know, left foot switch, go right foot, whatever. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. would just play every, every single scenario you could ever imagine inside your uh, fight. I would mm-hmm. play it out. And I fought, like I said, hundreds, thousands of times in my head every single night. I would do multiple fights. So it seems like there's a really easy correlation when it comes to martial arts. So how does this apply to, f- to fitness? So we're up here in the loft uh, having the meeting with Presley, our initial sit down where we're recording right now. And after talking, I don't know, it may have been around two hours, uh, I had made the comment if she actually believed in herself and what she could achieve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do, I do. And then I started laying out all these examples of things that she didn't believe that she could do mm-hmm. because she couldn't, she couldn't foresee it. Okay. She did not. She could. She could say it, but she couldn't foresee it. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's one thing to say something. But it's an entirely different thing to believe in what you're telling someone. Like you said, when you take on a new athlete, you have a nice, really honest, brutal conversation about what it is they want to achieve and how you're going to get them there. And that's how you kind of weed out whether or not this person is really down to do what it's going to take to get to that level. Like you said with Presley, she wants a USA singlet. Now, that's not something. That's not light. That's shit. not an easy task. <laughs> no, that's not an easy task. And when you throw it out, like we were saying, if, if you, you can say whatever the hell you want, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to believe that mm-hmm. you can actually do it. Yeah. And she, she just couldn't see past the, her nose, basically, mm-hmm. in essence. She couldn't see past her nose. But she was saying what she wanted. Mm-hmm. You, you really got to be able to visualize you succeeding in that. Mm-hmm. And she never had that because mm-hmm. she didn't have, she really didn't have really good success mm-hmm. prior to us lifting. You know, she, she just had brute strength when you first met her, right? And she wasn't that strong. People say that, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, uh, when, when I started working with Presley and she came here from uh, another gym, I was, she had finished at 1.7th in junior nationals. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, but in all honesty, I don't know how I really don't mm-hmm. because we literally took her back to square one, you know, and so, which I think most coaches in a new athlete will do. So that way you have a foundation. You don't have to though. Yeah. If they have it, they have it. You, then you build on their foundation, mm-hmm. but it was literally, we were empty barbell learning mm-hmm. positional work and, and not, I'm not saying you should never really practice that but you would think a national a nationally ranked lifter seventh in the nation mm-hmm. you think you they would have these these aspects mm-hmm. right so yeah now you, you talked about what you observed and then i also when we were going to do this topic i decided i looked up an article and it's called seeing is believing in the power of visualization and this comes from dr i believe it's gyang yu of the cleveland clinic and he said a study looking at brain patterns in weightlifters found that the patterns activated while the weightlifter actually lifted weights, which were hundreds of pounds, were similarly activated when they only imagined things. In some cases, research revealed that mental practices are about as effective as true physical practice. 
without so a doubt. That right there, boom. It just it, that kind of solidifies everything you just said. Yeah, I don't need a doctor to tell me that shit. You know what I mean? I see, I see it. I get to practice it personally. I've practiced it personally. I've seen the results that I got out of it. And then, uh, you know, you fast forward. We, I was just talking to Presley before she left, and you know, the first thing she said, absolutely, it's it's crazy what it's done for her. And mm-hmm. and she, this past competition, it's a you would say it on the scale, it's small compared to what she's, what used, she's been through, yeah. what she uses it typically for, but that just shows you how practical it is. It can be used for the smallest thing, mm-hmm. right. To prepare, uh, for something that you may be a, a bit nervous about, mm-hmm. um, or it can be used on the biggest stage at nationals or the American open or whatever it is, the games, regionals, the open, even, I mean, every aspect, this can be used for every facet. So, and even in my circles, when the military, uh, some of the training courses we go to, um, they refer to this as vision casting, where you're putting a, they kind of give you like these scenarios, leadership scenarios, where you're a senior ranking leader and you're given these green uh, new leaders and you're trying to help them instill that confidence in themselves, mm-hmm. you know, telling them, hey, you can lead this project or you can lead this operation and just telling them what they're going to do and how it's going to, and how it's going to, it's how it's going to go down, how it's going to break down because we've all seen it before right. and just instilling the confidence. And even if they don't believe in themselves, like, no, this is what's going to happen. This is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to execute. This is how your, this is how your people are going to react. But as long as you can do X, Y, and Z, they're going to follow you. And then they look at you and you're like, okay, Sergeant. Right. <laughs> yeah. Know? So it wires your brain. So to go back to my fighting, my very first MMA fight was I was 17 years old. I actually had to get, I had to trick my mom into signing the waiver. <laughs> you had to tell her it was like a permission slip for a field trip or something. <laughs> I told her it was like karate because it was really unknown back then. Okay. And uh, so I tricked her into signing it because I was under, I was underage. I was fighting this guy that was supposed to be their toughest dude in the world. And like, back then they didn't have weight classes. So yeah, I, it was open class. It was a yeah. one night tournament. Yeah. Yeah. So I gave up uh, 25 pounds. My first fight, I was 17 years old. This guy was like 23, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a fucking adult. Mm-hmm. And, um, I didn't care. I didn't even think about any of that. I didn't, I didn't think about the weight. Mm-hmm. I always trained with people heavier than me. I was only about a 150 mm-hmm. and when I was 17. Um, but the fight that we had, it's hilarious. So once my mom kind of figured out what the hell it was, but it was mm-hmm. too late because I was already, she already signed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was telling her she was so worried. She was so concerned that I was going to get severely injured because that's all you seen was like these barbaric headbutting, mm-hmm. punching in the nuts, all this crazy stuff mm-hmm. that they used to allow. and. I I literally told her step by step exactly how the fight was going to go. Mm-hmm. And I shit you not. I that's, shit you not. That's it how t- it went down. Literally. I said, he's going to take me down. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pull guard. Mm-hmm. Right. He's going to punch me. I'm going to deflect and just wait for him to slip up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hit a triangle choke mm-hmm. and then it's going to be over. The only issue that I had, <laughs> it all went great. I hit the triangle choke. But then he, uh, he picked me up and slammed me into the mat, literally about knocked me out. I think, I mean, the video, I was maybe unconscious. I got hit twice in the face, but I recovered, slapped another arm bar on, um, but I couldn't hold on to it. But after that, uh, it, it all literally went the, the same way. The only downfall is I, I lost a split decision after 15 minutes, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I didn't see that in my head, but mm-hmm. literally every aspect for me, you know, I, Kicked him in the head four times. It's just everything that I did, it mm-hmm. played out verbatim. But I imagine for you, 
when those things started happening, yeah, was it almost like it was in slow motion? All slow motion, yeah. Dude. Because when I used to, like I said, when I fought with the army guys, and you know, they, you know, they teach you to to think ahead, you know, two steps ahead, like you're saying in chess. And then I would be in a fight, and I'd be like, okay, well, I've seen this guy fight before. I've seen this is what he's going to do. You know, I think he's going to do this, and then kind of setting up moves two or three moves in advance and then like you're like and it, everything just like oh shit this is really happening right you know yeah it's really crazy it is crazy and i'd say the more you do something okay so you, you visualize exactly how it's going to go but when you're in the moment it's a lot it's you can see it but it's really cloudy and at right after the fights i my fights i would typically forget what happened mm-hmm. like because until well, your brain's overloaded yeah, you're, you're, I mean, you know, fight or flight, yeah. you know, even though you trained for it, it's still different. You tap in a little different part of your brain, mm-hmm. even though it's still a sport and you train for this. And, uh, but, you know, you'd have a hard time remembering it, but the more you do it, the more you fight, the more you, the more you get into it, you start literally, you can, you can literally control the destiny of the fight, mm-hmm. uh, per se, in some aspects, mm-hmm. because it's still a fight because anything can happen, but. There's a lot you can control. Now, you said you use the word control. Yeah. And I think we can both agree that you can control this it, in either way. It's a swinging door. Mm-hmm. You can see yourself succeeding. Yep. Or you can or see yourself not failing. succeeding. Oh, my gosh. And that's the worst, right? I mean, shit. Everybody wants to succeed. But and unfortunately, a lot of people are wired nowadays. They, all they think about is the negative. Like, mm-hmm. And then you think about the negative and then what happens, right? It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You, you've, you've lost before you started, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's, you know, we just talked about this competition and I had, our girls team did really, really well. And, uh, they finished, finished fourth, fourth out of but, three States. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, they wanted the podium. So I start breaking down their scores and stuff and, you know, all of them are typically around the, I think the highest finish was like a seventh and then they had like a 13th, mm-hmm. right? So you look at the sore thumb in the 13th. Mm-hmm. And it was the one workout, one of our members, she just, when it got released, she just could not stop talking and talking and talking bad about it. Like how dumb it was, how mm-hmm. stupid it was. And she was doing it, mm-hmm. right? Well, what do you think happened, right? That workout actually, in all honesty, determined them getting the podium. Third and fourth. Yeah. yeah getting the podium or not, mm-hmm. right? If, if she would have looked at it and said, okay, I don't like it, but guess what? I'm, I'm going to chug through it. Yeah. Look, I'm not going to be the best at it. And, 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 she, and that's what's crazy is she has like a 335, 40-pound deadlift. Mm-hmm. And we're picking up weak-ass little kettlebells. You know what I mean? It's nothing. A, a 53 and a 35. Yeah, it was an uneven deadlift. But she, in her mind, she didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Okay? And the other aspect was a goblet squat at a 53-pound kettlebell. And she has a front squat of 280 pounds. <laughs> what the hell is It's like, let me front squat a peanut. Right? For her. So, but it just shows you. She played it so bad in her mind that mm-hmm. she actually it affected her outcome. And so when it started getting tough, mm-hmm. instead of like chugging through it and then getting that top. It became harder than it needed to be. Yeah, because she checked out mentally because it was not, in her brain, it was dumb and stupid mm-hmm. and she didn't prepare for it mentally on the positive side. She went on the negative side and she had a negative a result. Mm-hmm. And that's what we talk about is you think positive and positive things happens. You think negative and negative thing happens. And I think this happens outside of sport as well. Mm-hmm. When you, in, you know, in the workforce, you always have someone that's that negative Nancy. I, I, I apologize if your name's Nancy and you're listening. <laughs> Sorry, but, Nancy. <laughs> but you do have those people that are just the naysayers like, oh, this project's going to suck. Yeah. Oh, we're going to have to work overtime. Just oh, shut we're up. Getting a pay, we're getting yeah. a pay cut. You know, and just that sort of stuff. 
proliferates into that mixture of people. And then you start bringing people down with you yeah. that might otherwise have not even been concerned about it or weren't even having a negative outlook on that particular issue at all. It's so crazy what your negativity can do, can do to, to other the, people. It's, yeah. You know what? And that's why I don't surround myself by people like that. Like a lot of people get in this trap when they're growing up, they get surrounded by these people who are so negative and stuck in the same spot. And they wonder why the hell they can't, they can't ever get out from mm-hmm. it. It's because of the people you're around, they're not there to re- positive re- they offer pro- positive reinforcement. They're mm-hmm. sitting here and bitching about work, bitching about this, bitching about that. Like enough's enough. And like, that's definitely not how we're wired. Mm-hmm. And because I don't like that. I don't hate, I hate that sensation. I mm-hmm. hate that feeling of, I don't like to fail first off. Mm-hmm. And that I don't like to hang out with people who like to fail. Mm-hmm. Like if you talk about, uh, we talked about Navy SEALs in one of our podcasts and how much I study them. They have a lot of friends that they make that ring the bell, mm-hmm. right? They, they check out, they mm-hmm. give up and I, I can't say anything. I've never went through that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I could or could not, mm-hmm. but what I know is they say they, that's the last they talk to them. Mm-hmm. They don't hang out with people who give up. They mm-hmm. don't hang out with people who accept failure. Who are not like-minded. Yeah, they can't because they are in a succeed or die. Yeah, because if you give up, someone's going to die in that, order, re- in, in that line of work. In that line of work. That's mm-hmm. just the reality of it. And we don't have that heavy of a burden if we give up, someone dies. What we have, though, is if we give up, we fail at something that we should have succeeded at because mm-hmm. we were so negative and pissy and moany about it. Like, look, accept what it is, okay? If you attack it, you're going to get better results than if you don't attack it and you you just roll up into a ball and let it steamroll you. And if you don't succeed, we'll learn something from it while you're down there. You know, just don't give up. You know, don't quit. It's okay to fail, but you got to learn something from it. You know, I think Michael Jordan missed more shots than he made. And he's one of the greatest basketball players of my generation. You look at a baseball player, if you hit... If you have a 333 average, you're considered baller. Baller, yeah. right? So three out of 10 times, yeah. you're one third. You, yeah, you're hitting yeah. one third of the pitches that are thrown at you during, during an entire season. But, you know, people get so wrapped up and on this stuff that they, you know, they focus on what they can't do and what they suck at instead of focusing on what they can do and then doing the best at what they suck at. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's accept, the, accept it for what it is. The mm-hmm. workout sucks. Mm-hmm cool. That's all right. I'm going to figure out how I'm going to get through it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I'm going to do that and then apply my best effort. And it's going to give me a result that's going to blow out my negative, giving up, not really trying result. Or maybe you do better than the last time you did the work. Without without a doubt. Practical applications. I mean, this goes beyond sport. This goes to life. This goes to pretty much anything. Yeah. I mean, we like the sport aspect of it because that's where I get to test it the most. You know, we have you know, I run. I ran two. Um, I ran a competitors course for our members, and I ran a um, back to basics course for our members. So one was for our competitors, obviously. The next one was for pe- everyday general crossfitter, as we've talked about. And in this, I talk about being visual, okay? Because a lot of times we'll put up the programming the night before, right? And everybody that's listening to this has done this. They mm-hmm. look at this. Oh my God, I suck at that. I suck at that. Total bar. Oh my God, it's the second time this week, whatever. <laughs> like you've already fucking failed. Mm-hmm. Like literally, okay. Okay. It's toe to bar. Instead of saying, Oh my God, it's toe to bar. How many is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's 10. Well, okay. I know I can do two every time I get up on the rig. So I'm going to do five, five sets, sets of two, two. Yeah. right? I'm going to do that as many times as I can. Challenge yourself within your capacity. Right. And then I'm going to go to singles. I can always do one. 
But instead of thanking that, what they do is, oh my God, it's Toto Bar. I suck at Toto Bar. Well, yeah, you suck at him because look, in how, look how you think about him. <laughs> it's your first thing you see is and the, the negative. The negative. Okay, yeah, I suck at everything that's listed. Well, guess what? That means you should be here, right? You need to be here. Don't, Working on those, right, those don't, skills. And, you know, some people like to cherry pick those days. You know, we, we've highly frowned on cherry picking here. Um, 99% of our members don't do it because they know I don't like it. And they actually come on the worst days that mm. I program. Um, but, you know, you just got to, I talk to those two groups. And even though one has different, loves to compete and the other one loves to just the general aspect of CrossFit, they can both take the visual aspects that I offer and learn how to say, hey, okay, this is the workout. This is what, you know, I give them examples of like four elements. And they would, I went through the groups and they would tell me exactly which one they didn't like because mm-hmm. they're all different. Some people may love Toto Bar. Some people hate to move heavier weight, whatever it may be. I asked them, I look at it. Tell me how you would attack it. Instead of saying, I'm not good at this or I suck at it. Tell me how you, how are, you're going to do it. Right. And then I, you're gonna do I, it. I want you to think about it. Like, yeah. you know, you show up for every workout. You don't have to go, go to sleep at night and like visual, visualize like doing your Toto Bar. But if you sit there and you give yourself positive reinforcement, like come in with a game plan mm-hmm. of how you're going to do it, you're going to succeed so much more that day than you ever thought. Agreed. You know, and I tell you, I, I don't read a ton, but I read enough to try to keep my mind sharp and really want to talk about the guy I was telling you about, the POW from Vietnam. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude. It's a great story. I tell you what, man, I, you know, I was, I, I told this to both our groups and our, and our competitors course and the bats back to basics. and it damn near makes you start crying and stuff because you just can't, you can't imagine what this guy goes through and, and, and what it's like to be a, a POW. I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Right. Not you knowing know. when you're going to get out of there. And you said it was a book from a Navy SEAL, the marksmanship instructor. What was the name of the book? The Killing School by Brandon Webb, uh, Navy SEAL. He, um, totally, reformatted and rewrote the seal sniper program because it was way behind the times. Mm -hmm. And when he did that through the process, he met this guy named Jack fellows, um, who was recommended to him. So when he was introduced to this Jack fellows, it was really to apply this visualization to the sniper program. Um, because if you talk about something that you have to be very visual on, Mm -hmm. This is it. It takes so much patience. Mm-hmm. Patience. You you could be there for days before you mm-hmm. actually get to apply what you need to, and you get one opportunity. Mm-hmm. It, it just it's it's it cannot fail. Is the way they look at it. You mm-hmm. cannot fail under any circumstance what it's given to. So when he was looking at this school, he really needed the, the visual aspect because how how hard sniper, uh, not only the training but actually executing what they need to do. The actual task the of task, being a sniper. Yeah. Yeah, sitting there for days, waiting for a specific thing or whatever it may be. And uh, so kind of first he was kind of like, oh my gosh, I know we really don't want to talk to this guy. It was no big deal. Mm -hmm. Well, end up finding out his story was nuts. So this guy, uh, he was shot down over Vietnam, Mm -hmm. okay? And he was a POW for six years at the infamous Hanoi Hilton, which, you know, I don't even know how many people died there, but if... If you, if you went to a POW camp, that's the one you didn't want to go to. Mm-hmm. So this guy sits there for six years and he finally gets released and he is on his way home. He's being transported from the airport to the base, uh, to a hospital in an ambulance. And on his way home, 
he gets to the base by the base golf course where he was stationed in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And he yells up to, to the front of the ambulance driver. It's like, stop the car stop, or stop the, stop the vehicle, stop the vehicle. I need to get out. This guy stops thinking he's going to die because mm-hmm. he's in that bad of shape. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he stops the car and he's like, what's going on? What's going on? He's like, he's like, I need to get out of here. I need to, I need to play around the golf. This, <laughs> <laughs> this dude just got a POW camp, right? Been a POW the, the for worst, six years. Six years. And this guy's like, no way. You, you need to go to the hospital. Yeah. This guy weighed a hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. A full grown man weighed a hundred pounds. He's like, you need to go to the hospital. He's like, he's like, look, I really need to get onto the golf course. And all right, bro. Yeah. <laughs> respecting him and what he just went through. Mm-hmm. Right. He took him to the golf course, goes to the golf course and walks in. And initially they tried to kick him out. The, mm-hmm. the, the, pro- cause he's still in his clothing that right. he was repatriated in. Right. A hundred, a hundred pound man yeah. looks deathly sick. Right. He's mal, malnourished. Mm-hmm. Um, walks into this golf course, goes into the pro shop and the, the golf pro and the employees refuse to let him play and, and are trying to kick him out. And mm-hmm. that's when this ambulance driver steps up and says, Hey, this guy just got out of the, out of, of a POW camp. He's literally on his way to the hospital. Mm-hmm. He, he wanted to stop here. And it just so happens a lot of the people who were part of that pro shop were veterans themselves. Okay. So they took a huge understanding to what this guy was going through. Mm-hmm. And they actually outfitted him completely with clubs, clothes, and everything mm-hmm. to go play this. So they go out and he's getting ready to tee off. And like these people were just shooting these weird looks behind his back. Like, what is this guy doing? He, mm-hmm. he can barely he can move. barely walk and he but, wants yeah, to play around. Wants the golf. to play around the golf. Goes out on the first hole and shoots par. Mm-hmm. Right. Hasn't swung a club in six years. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. Second hole hits a shoots par mm-hmm. third hole par. He pars all 18 holes of the golf course. He shoots par mm-hmm. the very first round after being captured and held up for eight, you know, six years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so after he had finished, one of the guys, they're just perplexed. How do you do this? They, it's just insane that mm-hmm. you could even accomplish this. And um, they, he said, how did you do this? And he actually answered, he said, uh, in, in quotes, guys, I've played thousands of rounds the last six years. It's been a long, long, long time since I've missed the putt. <laughs> this guy has played thousands of rounds in his head, uh-huh. walked onto a golf course in the worst condition possible. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what kept him alive uh, while he was a POW. I right. Yeah. Played this over and over again. That just shows you the power of the mind. Mm-hmm. If you believe it and you focus on it and you apply it, you're going to tell me that, you know, people at the Cleveland Clinic can say whatever. Yeah. But this dude right here did it. I've seen it done. I've done it. You can do it. Yeah. And the gentleman we're talking about in that story is uh, Jack Fellows. Right. He was a Navy aviator. Right. And uh, there's more stories like that if you look up the Stockdale Paradox. That's another good uh, example of how the power of the mind can get you through any type of situation. People he was there with, they visualized uh, building houses. Mm-hmm. This guy went home and actually built an entire subdivision. In his head. In his head that he had built. Yeah. In his head. Literally goes home. He had no prior experience. Mm-hmm. Built a subdivision. In his head, he mm-hmm. had foreseen it all in every aspect. Mm-hmm. And it's applied to everything. There's so many great stories out there of what these POWs did to get through everyday life there. Yeah, those are amazing stories. Just how, like you said, Brody, how powerful the mind can be. Right. I think one knowledge nugget we can take out of this episode is, I think it was a, I saw a Nike shirt one time many years ago. 
and it says the man who says he can and the man who says he can't are both right. You know, yeah. if you can see yourself doing it, you can do it. Absolutely. But also if you see yourself failing, you can do it. You're probably going to fail. Yeah. Bringing things to a close, like I said, you know, you, you, you can either prove yourself right or you can prove yourself wrong. It's all about how you use that mental energy and focus to get yourself to achieve any goal. And if maybe if you don't achieve it, you can get one step closer. Yeah, without a doubt, man. All right. So for this week, we'd like you to send us an email or voicemail. Because actually, Brody, you answered a couple uh, video calls or video messages. That was was really cool. cool. It was cool. I was like, what's up, man? Yeah, Mike George, he sent us a a couple questions and and Brody fired back and answered them. And actually, we're going to do a Ask Us Anything episode. Mm -hmm. So make sure you keep asking us those questions. So share with us your experiences with visualization, whether they're positive or negative, and tell us how you use the power of your ability to see yourself succeeding. Or maybe you saw yourself failing and those things came true. So our call to action for this week, we'd ask you to like, share, or subscribe to the One More Rep podcast and leave us a five-star rating and written feedback on how we're doing and what you think about the show. And the reason why we're asking you to do this is because the more ratings we get on iTunes, the higher we rank. And us being this early in our podcast careers, the higher rating we get during the first eight weeks, we can be eligible to show up on the new and noteworthy listing and that's where we're going to start getting some real traction because we love you guys for listening to us there's a lot of people out there that we'd really like to reach and help become part of this community and help us build more episodes and build more content so yeah they don't know we even exist yeah exactly and and you guys are the ones that are going to help us get out absolutely we really appreciate that so with that being said i think we're done for the week that's it man that's it all right i'm mo and i'm out later thank you for listening to the one more rip podcast you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at One More Rip Podcast or on Twitter at Can I Get One More or shoot us an email at Can I Get One More at gmail.com. I had that, uh, <coughs> call it muffin top, <laughs> the uh, uh, halo top. I hate that shit. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh my God, get the halo top. And I got it, yeah. right? I was like, this is fucking stupid. It tastes gritty. Like, okay. If, if things can taste gritty. Dude, okay. It's 200 calories. Oh, you're, what, you're shaving fucking 300? I'll take the additional 300 for something that tastes, that doesn't taste like fucking watered down ice cream. For some briars. I mean, seriously, though. Like, first thing, it's a pint. Who eats a pint? Yeah, who kills a pint at a, at a sitting? Like, I eat fucking half gallon. Like, I can't just have a pint. Yeah, you got to man up. Bro, if I'm eating ice cream, I'm eating ice cream. I just, look, I just accept the reality that I'm never going to have a fucking legitimate six-pack. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay to have ablets.